Thanks for joining Emmanuel Christian Community. In the Bible, God's Spirit creates life and order out of gloomy and lifeless situations. It begins with creation in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And it continues through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the same Spirit who leads Jesus also leads us as followers today. So in this series, join us as we learn how to be faithful followers, effective witnesses, and how to live life to its fullest through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Well, today we're in a series about the Holy Spirit, and uh, we continue with this. And, we, and, we've con- and today, what we're going to consider is this. All right, so I'm going to give you this sermon from up front. How the Holy, in- Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. So just, I'll say it again. How the Holy Spirit empowers us to be effective witnesses. Okay? After Jesus has finished his ministry on earth, he's, he's gone to the cross, he's, he's died, he's buried, resurrected, appears to several people, several times to his followers. On one of those occasions, he tells them, and we find what he tells them in the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what he says. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even as far as Steveston, British Columbia, which may be the end of the earth. Who knows, right? Two key words I want you to see and hear. Power and witness. The Holy Spirit will give us power, and the key purposes of the power is to be witnesses, to be effective witnesses. And the power promise, interestingly enough, was not this uh, political force or strength. Uh, The word power actually means ability, to, to be able to do something. So Jesus promised that once the Holy Spirit came upon them, his followers would have new ability. So... Real quick sidebar, okay? Let me just do this real quickly because it's important for you to see this in the context of the conversation. Two verses before, okay? Two verses before, in verse 6, the disciples asked this of Jesus. They said, Jesus, will at this time, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? In other words, is God's kingdom rule going to be set up now? After all they had seen and heard from Jesus, and to think that, that he was about restoring Israel as inheritors of the land and, and with no authority over them like the Romans. That's, that's what they were still thinking after everything they had seen. And so in verse 7, Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, in other words, that God will set up his kingdom, that he will return is all you need to be concerned with, not necessarily all the details. In fact, only God knows the specifics. Now, this isn't Jesus saying we should not be concerned with with end times sorts of things. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is it's not the top priority. Okay? So, sidebar over. So, what is the top priority, Jesus? What is the top priority? Well, he gives us the answer. And the answer comes in that second part, that second word that I gave you, witnesses. 
witnesses. The answer, the priority, the priority is that Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. To be a witness is just to speak from personal knowledge of facts and significance of things that you personally know about, all right? So those guys who were listening, the apostles, they were special sorts of witnesses. They had, they had, witness, they had witnessed his life, his death, his resurrection, and they had a special kind of dispensation to be a certain kind of witness. But those of us who also call ourselves followers and believers of Jesus are also a witness. And so one sense, I could end the sermon right here, right? Clear to the point. You know, bless his heart. He's ending the sermon early. Look at that, Elsie, you know? And Jesus promises in just the next chapter of Acts that it's fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit would come and he would come with power and it's fulfilled, Right? And we are to be a missionary church. That's what we're to be about. People who bear witness to Jesus. But I'm sorry, Sister Elsie, I just can't stop. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I can't stop because for years I've heard and read this passage. People who go to church have heard and read this passage. Probably most of you have heard and read this passage. And yet, for some reason, we don't have this power. And we often are not effective as witnesses. In his prayer, Garth just admitted that. I'm not always the kind of witness I should be. I I don't know all the reasons why this is true. I really don't. There's, There's tons of reasons. But I suspect that part of that is our own hearts. That our, our own understanding of the heart of God. Put differently, let me put it in the form of a question, okay? Do I, do you, truly understand God's heart for those outside of his family? Do you? Do I? Nearly 20 years ago, I watched a video by a very famous pastor in which he talked about God's heart for lost people. Uh, the Holy Spirit took his words, which were from God's word, and use them to change my heart forever. I mean forever. I am a different person because of how the Holy Spirit used that one message. And the pastor challenged me with a question that I'm going to give to you as well. And I have kind of added a second question to his first question. The first question, the challenge for him was, do lost people matter to me? Do lost people matter? really matter to me. And if they do, if they do, if lost people matter to me, here's the second question. Here's the part that I'm answering. If lost people, asking, if lost people really matter to me, will I allow the Holy Spirit to empower me to give me the ability to be an effective witness? Do lost people matter? And will I invite the Holy Spirit to empower me to be an effective witness? The message that he preached It came from Luke 15. And Luke 15 easily became and still is to this day my favorite passage from the Bible. I immersed myself in Luke 15. In fact, I hoped so bad this morning that Garth would sing the song that he sang, which came from Luke 15. But I didn't call him and ask him. It just happened. In Luke 15, it's a day in the life of Jesus. And and some, some tax collectors and sinners is what they're called, people who are far from God, are gathered around. Also some Pharisees, some religious leaders are gathered around, and they're listening to Jesus talk. And the religious leaders are a little bit confused because 
Jesus, if he were a rabbi, if he were really a prophet, then he would know that these sinners, these tax collectors, these outsiders would not be good people to hang out with. They would hamper his ministry. They were seen as people far from God. And, 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 and the reason was because their religious norms weren't the same and they were somewhat indifferent to God. And some of them were tax collectors. They were collaborators with the Roman occupiers. Now, I want to be clear, Jesus isn't the one who labels them this way. This is not Jesus' labeling. It's the religious leaders who are labeling this way. And it's not even that the religious leaders are even wrong about them. They're, they're probably right. They are probably far from God. That's not the issue. That's really not the issue. What they're wrong about is God's attitude towards those outsiders. And Jesus knows that they think this, okay? And, and the author of the book, Luke, he tells us that Jesus knows this. So he decides to tell a few stories. And in the three stories that he tells, and we're going to hear two of them this morning, I think he has three audiences in mind. One, he has the audience of the religious leaders, okay? He wants them to hear. Two, he has those sinners and tax collectors that are there. He wants them to hear, too. He wants them to know. And three is us today, all right? So the religious leaders, the tax collectors, the sinners, and us, that's the audience. And I believe Jesus wants them and us to learn why it is that he hangs out with those people who seem so far from God, okay? So his first story is about a shepherd who leaves a beggar flock of sheep and goes and finds that one lost sheep. So we're going to read that this morning. We're going to start with verse 4 in Luke 15. Verse 4 of Luke 15. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country. Hear that in the song? Leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. You know, I can imagine Jesus at this point Kind of, you know, he's, he's telling the story, and then he looks up. He's thinking, do they get it? Do, do the religious leaders, do, 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 are people getting this? Do you understand? You know, it's like, you know, this one sheep was worth going on a, a hunt for. You know, he wandered off. Probably his own fault he wandered off, but I still wanted him. I, I really did. And when I found him, it was worth throwing a party for. And they probably kind of had this deer-in-the-headlights look, I imagine, uh, on their faces, and Jesus thinks, okay, okay, let's see. i got to tell another story, different but similar, okay? And so he tells the story of a woman who has ten coins and lost one of the coins. And the coin was apparently a, worth a lot to her. So let's look at that story, too. It's in verse 8. He says this. He says, or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Now the given value of this coin, of course, she's the one who kind of determines the value of it. But because it was so valuable to her, she looks everywhere. Turns, turns all the furniture over. 
She gets the brightest light that she has and, and tries to look for it with her light. She does all she can to find it. And like the shepherd, she's so excited when she finds it that she throws a party. Now just, just, just stop for a second. I want you to think about this. What in your life or who in your life has that much value? Don't think too hard, but I want you to get something or someone in your head right now. It can be a person or a thing. Maybe something or someone, something you love, someone you love deeply. Think about that person. You got it? Now, what if you lost that, that thing or that person? What would that be like to you? And then Jesus adds this really one important piece of information to the end of each of these two stories. He says, in the same way that the shepherd and the woman threw a party, heaven throws a party. The angels throw a party for everyone who is lost, who is found. And then I imagine Jesus looking up again, trying to get some eye contact at the religious leaders or everyone else who, who's questioning why is he hanging out with these people? Do they get it? Do you get it? Do you understand? Lost people matter to God. Now, remember, I, I heard you tell it. I heard this from a preacher in a message. And at this point in the passage, this preacher, he goes on to talk about the prodigal son, the story that many of you probably have heard before. That's the third story. I'm going to bypass that for now. But the pastor concludes with this, and, and it's, it's his own reflections, but this reflection that he concludes with is really what God used to grab my heart, brought tears to my eyes. And I'll tell you from my perspective, not his, okay? Back in October of 1979, I came home to the Father. I finally said yes to following Jesus, and, and I was lost and confused, and I, then I was found. And on that day, in heaven, there was a party thrown for me, a banner with my name on it. And the angels said, oh, Ken, welcome, welcome. You are so valuable to the Father. We're so glad that you're part of the family. Jesus went to earth on an all-out search for you, Ken, and so we're partying because what was lost, you, have been found. And, and for those of you who are here right now, those of you who are listening at home, it happened for you too. If you said yes to Jesus, if you now follow Jesus, there was a banner, welcome you home. Marnie, welcome home. Elaine, Ernie, welcome home, Ernie. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. I don't want to get too caught up in the emotion of the moment and forget why Jesus was telling the stories in the first place. So, quick rewind. Remember, the religious leaders were critical because he was hanging out with the sinners and the tax collectors. That's why he was telling the story. So, Jesus tells the stories for the religious leaders, for the, the tax collectors, and for us. He tells these stories so people can see the heart of the Father, that lost people matter so much to him, that he would go on an all-out search and once found, 
heaven and throw a party. I'm, I'm glad you couldn't see me because I was down here on the front row just crying my eyes out when we were singing that song. Because every time I come here, I remember that I was lost. And then I was found in heaven through a party for me. And I, and I just thought of that when, when the team was singing that song. And so here's the same question that I started with. Do lost people matter? Do lost people matter to me? Do lost people matter to you? Do they? Do they really? <sighs> you know, I've said many times, yes, yes, of course they do. Of course they do. I'm a pastor. Of course lost people matter to me, Right? But then I don't always live my life as if that's true. I don't know. Maybe you can relate. I say things like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a busy season right now. Yeah? Well, it's not my gifting. That's not my gifting. I, I'm too much of a sinner. I'm a hypocrite, in fact. Who am I to talk to other people about God? I, I, I'm serious. I say these things. And then sometimes I just think, I just don't really know enough. I, I, I still have so many questions, questions that I can't even answer for myself. How can I talk to people about God? Maybe you're thinking, gosh, we need a new pastor. You know? <laughs> or maybe you're thinking, you know, I can, I can relate to that guy. I've offered up some of those same things to God. Maybe you've done that. Maybe there's some other stories that you have said to God. Listen, my goal this morning is not to make you feel guilty. I'm not trying to twist your arm or your mind, anything like that. My goal is simply this, to ask the question, are you open, are you open to sharing God's heart for lost people? Are you open to, to going on a search of sorts? And if the answer is yes, or even if you'd be willing to say, maybe, maybe I'd be open to that. Now that you're in this place, I've got some good news for you. Okay? Are you ready for some good news? Where are the Pentecostals when you need them? Are you ready for some good news? All right. Thank you. The good news can be found right back where we started. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, even as far as Richmond, British Columbia. It does not depend on me in the flesh, doing this. But rather, it's this ability, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Wait, 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 Ken. Are you saying, are you saying, are, if I'm open to this, that I don't have to kind of conjure up some sort of evangelistic passion? Yeah. Jesus is telling us that's the Holy Spirit's work. That's what he means when he talks about power. So if I say, but, 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 it's just a busy season right now, God. God says, oh, I understand. Here, just pray this, Ken. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you some sort of margin. 
for him to work in your life. Just ask for that. If I say, you know, it's not my gifting, I, I, I hear God say, well, you know, I have gifted certain people for certain gifts in evangelism. That's true. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be a witness. Be witnesses, not just do witnessing. There's a difference. It's not an event. It's a total lifestyle, not just occasional efforts. If I say, ah, too much of a sinner, I'm, <laughs> it would be quite hypocritical for me to talk to other people about God. And I hear guys say, oh, that's good, Ken. That's good. I appreciate your honesty. And I agree, you've got sin in your life. I see everything. But you know, Ken, I'm not waiting for you to get your act together before I start using you. In fact, I wouldn't be on this stage if I waited on that. This is the reason, Ken, that you need the Holy Spirit. You will never be good enough. That's not what this is about. If I say, I really don't know enough yet. I've got a five more books to read. I've got questions that I can't answer. I hear God say, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Guess what? Spirit again. My spirit will give you just the right words, just the right wisdom, just when you need it. And guess what, Ken? I don't know. Sometimes it's the right answer. We're not going to read it this morning, but in the very next chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit does come, and over 3,000 people that day decided to follow Jesus because of the power of the Holy Spirit and those believers. They spoke other languages. There was all kinds of miraculous things that happened. And the events of Acts are not something that time kind of locked away and threw away that never happened again. It happened over and over and over and over again throughout history, throughout the New Testament, but also throughout history because God says, I am not dead. I am not the, the great I used to be. I'm the great I am. And just in case I'm not being clear, I'm telling you that today the same spirit that was there in Acts empowers us today to be effective witnesses. Not because we have time, not because we have all the answers, not because we're perfect people, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that works through us if we'll just open up ourselves to him. So the question I'm asking, do lost people matter to me? Does it matter to you? And Will I invite the Holy Spirit to empower me just as I am, just as you are, to be an effective witness? That same power that was there in Acts 1-8 at Pentecost. Acts 2-8, I'm sorry. Will you open yourself up to share God's heart for the lost and allow the Holy Spirit to empower you to be an effective witness? Will you open yourself up? Will you at least just say maybe to that opening? I'm going to invite the music team back up, and I'm going to pray for us. <laughs> Amen. Heavenly Father, you have given us your spirit.
And for whatever reason, me and my friends here and those who are online have not stepped in to at least saying maybe.